Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to the AMDG podcast. Uh, happy to be joined today by Father Jim Martin as we keep unpacking and reflecting on this kind of uncharted water we're sailing into here in this uh, this time of pandemic. Uh, so first off, Father Jim, uh, how are you today? Fine, still healthy, no fever. Well, that's good news. Uh, it seems like things are just so rapidly unfolding here. It was just, you know, Wednesday of last week, and we're talking on Monday afternoon when things uh, started rapidly evolving, I guess you could say here in, in the States. And that feels like a long time ago in some ways. Um, so yeah, where where have your mind and, and heart been these, these days since this has really started kicking in here uh, in, a, in a local way? Well, you know, I was in the Holy Land on a pilgrimage um, from February 28th, I think, to March eighth, something like that. And um, so, you know, I was kind of focused there. And even there, we had um, fears. Uh, we were in Bethlehem. That was closed the day after we, we left. We had a person on our trip who had been in touch with a, a patient who had subsequently, you know, developed coronavirus, and she was fine, the, the pilgrim. And I was just grateful to get back. Uh, and then, you know, we quarantined ourselves when we got back from the magazine. And then it just seems to have just spiraled downward. Um, you know, I, I, my, my thoughts are trying to help people not panic and trying to help people see their way through this crisis, but at the same time being realistic about, you know, the suffering that's going to happen, I think particularly in the United States, um, you know, and maybe even in our families, among our friends and in our religious communities. Um, I live with three guys over 80, and so I'm very worried about them. And so, yeah, I mean, my, my thoughts, it's a very confusing time for people and including me, but I'm trying to, you know, remain centered on God and, and uh, you know, know that Christ is with us in all this. Right. So it's holding a lot of things, right? So it's trying to assure people, you know, just to, to be calm and not to panic or worry or but also like acknowledging that there is, you know, some loss for all of us in some way uh, right on the horizon. Yeah, I think that panic is never a good idea. And, you know, uh, since this is the AMDG podcast, we can say that St. Ignatius Loyola talked about two movements that are, you know, that we find kind of warring within us. One is the movement towards, you know, as Ignatius says, uh, gnawing anxiety. I just think that's a great term things that sadden us, that set up false obstacles, anything that kind of draws us down, draws us into despair. And that he calls the evil spirit, right, that pulls us away from God. And he says the good spirit is the spirit that, you know, moves us towards God, which is basically the spirit of hope and calm and trust, right? And so what we, we all feel that inside. We get panicky, we get worried, we get uh, angry um, that things aren't going our way or that someone's not taking our advice. Um, but it's the spirit of calm and hope and trust that is really coming from God. So, you know, you can be concerned, of course, obviously, you know, and you take precautions and you, I think, you know, people can be frightened, but the panic I think is clearly not coming from God because it, it prevents us from really, uh, you know, kind of thinking clearly about these things. And that, that really distinguishes from approaching things in a Pollyannish way to say like, oh, because God loves us, everything will be fine. Like we won't suffer. That's never promised to us. It's never offered to us. And that's not what Ignatius was after. No. And I mean, you know, there, there are some really bad things that can happen. And I think, you know, I was just thinking the other day that, um, you know, I worked in East Africa for two years in, in Kenya um, with refugees. And, you know, I, I, I think living in the developing world, you see these things closer. Uh, you know, epidemics and 
illnesses and uh, you know tragedies that really kind of sweep families away. Um, and so I think you know at least in that experience, I was a little closer to it. Um, and and yeah, it is. It's it's trying to keep those things in tension and and recognizing that there is already a lot of suffering. We don't have to say there will be suffering. I mean, I think I just saw there's 3,800 cases in the United States and tens of thousands in Italy. Um, and so we have to be realistic about this, but we don't have to panic. And we also don't have to forget that God is with us in all these situations. We're just being bombarded with news all the time, social media, TV, everywhere, just in conversations with, with people. Um, within all of that, like what roles do you think the faith community and faith leaders, what do we have to play? Like what, what do we offer? Well, first of all, I think we offer, um, you know, the ability to help people make meaning of all of this. I mean, to get blunt, um, when people are thinking about getting sick and dying, um, it is the faith community that, that offers them perspective on that and, and offers them in a sense, hope, uh, and particularly in the Christian worldview offers them, you know, the sense of eternal life and resurrection and, I think I think we need to be blunt about that. You know, people are going to deal with illness and, and death. There's also the uh, the invitation in the Christian worldview to remember that Christ is with us, that, that Jesus Christ, who's risen and is present to us through the spirit, experience these things. I mean, you know, half of his ministry, I think, was healing sick people. Right. And so, um, you know, the question is, you know, of course, you know, why is this happening? Why is God not healing us? Those are unanswerable questions. But the fact that Jesus is accompanying us and is with us and understands us and knows what we're going through. You know, I mean, I like to say he understands us not just because he's divine and understands all things as the son of God, but because he's human and experienced all these things. So it's the person that we can go to who really gets us, who really understands us, even in this time. And you know, I would imagine back in first century Galilee and Judea, there were epidemics, right? They had zero medicine, except I assume, you know, kind of ancient remedies and things like that. So he understands these things. One of the ways uh, is in the Christian community that we do walk with Jesus is through our faith communities, right? Is through gathering, especially for Catholics, the gathering for, for Eucharist is like the heart of our faith. And now we're in a time in which like a lot of us are not able to do that really, but asked to kind of to stay home for the, for the good of ourselves and, and others in the community. This is also pretty unprecedented, right? Like that kind of have masses just canceled uh, all over the place in the midst of that. Like what, how do we do that? Like how do we find community when we can't meet in person, which is such, again, a central part for, for Catholics, especially. I think that's true. I think though that I, people are a little more used to now, you know, if you think about it, if this happened 20 years ago, we would have no, I mean, 30 years ago, we would have no, you know, internet and Facebook and Skype and all that, this would have been impossible and probably more frustrating and terrifying for people. I think we do it virtually. You, you call up. Um, I call my mom every night uh, to make sure she's doing okay. Um, I think Skyping, what I've, been, what I've been trying to do in the last few days is doing Facebook Live and bring people in for face sharing, those kinds of things. Uh, and be creative, right? And, you know, there is, you know, in the Jesuits, there's the tradition of the union of hearts and minds. And so the idea is that even if you're not physically close, so you think of St. Ignatius and the early Jesuits, Francis Xavier, chief among them who went you know, all over the world and never saw Ignatius again, was united with him in prayer, right? And there's the sense of the, the body of Christ mystically united. I think that's really a powerful idea right now. I wanna ask you about some other of those specifically Ignatian things that we can draw on when we're approaching something like this. I think one thing I 
love about Ignatian spirituality is that it, it is so practical about finding God in the midst of your everyday life, the work of right. God, in again, in all things, even in times like this. Are there any right. other things for you that come to mind, specific, like some of these things uh, from the Ignatian tradition that are that are worthwhile to spend some time with in these days? Well, someone just pointed it out to me. Uh, I was frustrated about something, I'll just say, and I in, in, imputed, I guess, bad motive. I said, oh, that's so selfish, you know, the way that the person is dealing with it about this coronavirus. And my friend said, I don't know, you know, assuming that is that person's motivation is selfish, doesn't sound like it's coming from the good spirit. So that's called the presupposition. You assume the best of people. I think and I, that was literally pointed out to me about an hour ago. And so, you know, we all have stuff to learn from Ignatian spirituality. And I think at these in these times when people are tend to kind of, uh, I would say, accuse one another and even worse, demonize or scapegoat one another, um, we have to remember to, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. I, I certainly do. I mean, as I said, it happened an hour ago. Yeah, right. I, I felt that way around the guy who was hoarding a hand sanitizer in oh. East Tennessee. It's so hard to think like, yeah, I mean, we and just now, that guy, you know, <laughs> By the way, I guess you heard that he was more or less forced to give all those up. Did you read right. that? Yeah, I saw that after. Yeah, I, you know, and then and then he said, I mean, look, you know, who knows what his motives are, but uh, okay, fine. Maybe he meant maybe he was hoarding them and was going to sell them at a, a, at a at a sort of premium in general. But to do it, you know, during a pandemic is really reprehensible. So right. I, yeah, I was I I would say I that was one occasion where I thought. Maybe it's okay to judge that guy. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Jesus would disagree. <laughs> right. So yeah, the, the presupposition again to assume that others are acting in the right. Any um, anything else you can think of? Well, sure. I mean, in terms of prayer, I think that you know a lot of people are going to be on their own right now. They're going to be frightened. I think the Ignatian tradition of guided meditations and contemplative prayer, Ignatian contemplation, as it's often called where you imagine yourself speaking with Jesus is really powerful. I think that can really help people. You know, someone said in our community the other night, which made me laugh that, you know, we have all these excuses why we can't pray. We have to go out, we have to work. Well, guess what? You don't have any excuses anymore. You're, you're stuck at home and you have more time, you know, I would assume most people than they normally do, <clears throat> excuse me, and so why not use some of the riches of Ignatian spirituality, specifically Ignatian contemplation, where you place yourself in the scene and, and try it and, you know, try a couple different ways of praying. Why not? You got time now. Sure. So when, when we do that, like, again, we have to really draw on the imagination. You, having just been in the Holy Land, really have some, I'm sure, fertile uh, soil for doing some of that imagining. What was it like to be, I know you've been to the Holy Land a bunch of times, but to be there during Lent during this time in which, you know, the, the whole world was kind of on edge? Well, I tell you, people were more aware of coronavirus than Lent, that's for sure. Uh, it was, it was um, challenging. And I, I said to the group that we really, again, needed to guard against the evil spirit. And one of the movements within the group, this is not speaking for any individual or breaking any confidences, but, you know, the tendency to panic. And the tendency to despair, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. We're all going to get sick. Uh, what's going to happen? And, you know, the evil spirit, I always like to tell people, try to think like the evil spirit. You know, for example, what's the last thing the evil spirit would want? The last thing the evil spirit would want is for this group of pilgrims to have a good experience of God and have it strengthen their faith. And so the evil spirit's going to use whatever 
the evil spirit can to pull you away. And so I just said, you need to be aware of that. You need to kind of pay attention. So that was really a big theme in the retreat, you know, looking at the evil spirit and trying to head the evil spirit off. Sure. I saw someone post that they weren't uh, prepared to be giving up so much for Lent, right? This wasn't like part of the plan. Uh, but in some ways, at least for now, coincides. Obviously, yeah. like, this will continue in the Easter season, you know? Yeah. It doesn't always well, match up. The Easter season, which we may not be able to celebrate together, which is also very strange. You know, at the beginning, I was really opposed to these measures to shut down parishes. I thought, oh, that's terrible. And, um, you know, uh, people need a place to go. And this is well, now, I mean, I really do think it's a life-saving measure, right? I mean, we Catholics are supposed to be pro-life, and I think it, I think it's really valuable. Now, there's some places that still haven't shut down, but I, I was shocked. A friend of mine told me, I won't say what diocese he was in the diocese, and oh, he said, yeah, masses go on, and we had about 75 people, and you know, most of them are old, of course. Yeah. So, I think the open question for me is, what happens afterwards? What, what, how do people feel comfortable again coming to mass? Right. Yeah. We, we don't know. Right. That's so much yeah. of this is we have, we have no idea what it will right. look like. Maybe things will go back in some way. It probably will never be exactly the same. Right. Uh, it's a big questions there in terms of some of the, the anxiousness around health stuff. I don't know if you're comfortable talking a little bit about you had posted, I remember online, uh, maybe last year, uh, that you were facing some, some health things and, you know, counting on prayer and what, was there anything from that experience in your own life that you're, you're drawing on now? Well, don't panic is the first thing. Trust in the doctor is not in some crazy stuff you read online. And, and also, uh, you know, I always tell, tell people, if your doctor is not worried, you shouldn't be worried. Right. I mean, in terms of your own physical, I'm not talking about coronavirus, obviously, right. but you know, if you call your doctor and you say, I have a cough and he says, well, if you don't have a fever, don't worry, then don't worry. But another thing is kind of deeper, which is that, um, look, one of the things I realized was that we're all, I mean, praise, pray God that we don't, but that we're all, we're all going to die at some point. And one of the, I never wrote this article because it just never felt like the right time. But, you know, when I would go for my radiation treatments, fortunately, my, my little tumor was benign. And so there was never a danger, but I still had to have radiation. I, I passed all these people who were really sick and all going to the hospital at 68th Street and York Avenue in New York City, which is where a lot of the hospitals are. And it just dawned on me, we're all going to 68th and York. We just have different appointment times. Hmm. Right? We're all, we're all going there. We're all moving in that direction. I mean, and, and it, it kind of broke down the barriers between mortality and immortality for me. Right? And then, again, I don't wish this on any of the listeners or certainly not you or me and, you know, but it, it it's kind of a was kind of a reminder of mortality and the reality of that. Um, so but I, I think, you know, day to day, this idea of not panicking and not getting ahead of yourself. Um, I'll tell you a funny thing. Uh, a spiritual director said to me, I said, well, I'm really worried about this tumor. And they said, why? Your, your doctors aren't worried. I said, oh, no, but it could be something else. And my director laughed and said, oh, right. I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot you're an M.D. <laughs> so right i mean trust the experts not your own you know kind of fears sure so for you your ministry has been online for a long time and it been connecting there but now 
not really being able to move and just having to try to meet people and, and offer things. Uh, how do you see your ministry kind of taking shape? I, as you mentioned, you, you did the uh, faith sharing around the Sunday gospel uh, on Sunday. How did that go? Uh, what do you see yourself uh, getting involved in here? Well, it was a lot of fun. We had 38,000 people viewing, I guess, uh, which is a good sized congregation. I, I wanted to offer it to people because I thought that there was a, you know, they, they weren't going to mass basically. And where they going to talk about the gospel. And it was fun. And so I'm, I'm doing it uh, today and we'll see how long it goes, uh, how, how long this crisis goes, how long, you know, hopefully I won't get sick. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I see, you know, social media is a way of meeting people where they are. Right? And that's what Jesus did. He met people where they were. He spoke in their language. And, you know, why should it be beyond us? And I, I think one of the things I'm grateful for is that I already have this platform. I have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram to be able to connect with people already. So it's not like I'm having to kind of invent the wheel. I already have some wheels. Right. Well, uh, blessings on all of those efforts. Uh, stay healthy. Don't panic. Right. That's the message of today. Uh Keep calm, keep praying. Uh, and again, thank you for, for what you're doing and what you're offering. And it does seem like a time that people are going to start connecting in new ways, trying to figure out um, you know, how to live their faith in the midst of this. So, so thanks for helping to lead the way there. My pleasure. Good to be with you. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Dara Sump, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, and me, Mike Jordan Lasky. Connect with the Jesuits online at Jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with a Jesuit vocation promoter at BeAJesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. 